Today on Bridges, a story of tragedy, hope, and extreme forgiveness. I'm Monica Schmelter, and I'm glad that you could join us today for Bridges, where we bring you hope for the journey. And when I say that today's show is extreme forgiveness, it is extreme forgiveness. And uh, my guest is Lorraine Huberry. I've had her before. Uh, her story and her journey to hope and forgiveness is one that bears repeating. I've never heard anything quite like it. And I believe that the lesson for all of us is that God can help us forgive even the hardest of situations. Lorraine, welcome back to Bridges. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. I'm glad to have you. And, you know, some people might not have met you before on Bridges. Um, your story, as I said, it, it really is one of, of tragedy, but you didn't stay there. There came hope and extreme forgiveness, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and your two daughters. Yes. I got the call that no parent ever wants to, wants to get. Um, I was asked to come home. You were my, working? Yes, I was working out of the home. Um, I came home and my home was a crime scene. I was not allowed to go to my house. I didn't know where my girls were. Didn't know any of the circumstances. Yeah. I just knew that there uh, neighborhood was surrounded by police. Yeah, so like, did you see the yellow crime tape and yes. all of that? So you just get a call, tells you to come home from work. You get there, all mass chaos, really. Mass chaos, yes. And you don't know where your two daughters are. No, or my fiance at that time. And I, I kept looking, where are the cops focusing on? Mm -hmm. And then I realized it was my house. And that's where the yellow crime tape was around. And I was ushered to into a neighbor's house. And at the time, I didn't realize what was going on, but I was interrogated because they thought I was involved in this somehow, even though I didn't know what was going on. And then they kept telling me they were going to get me to the hospital. And I kept thinking, why do I need to go to the hospital? I'm not injured. Because you know nothing. Nothing. You know absolutely nothing. nothing. And so you're being interrogated. So I'm sure they had to be uncomfortable, but you're probably, are you still confused? Like what in the world? Yes, very confused. Yeah. And I kept asking, what happened? What's going on? Why are why are we going to the hospital and where are my girls? I kept, that was the one question I kept repeating. Where are the girls? We're going to get you there. We're going to get you there. Well, where's there? I had no idea what was going on. Finally, an officer comes in. He said, um, your daughter, Christy, is fighting for her life and probably won't survive. And I, I just shut down. It was like, that's your, no, that's not my child. My child's safe. My child's okay. And you're Christie's, your youngest Youngest daughter. daughter, yes. And then I happen to think, well, where's Stacy? She's supposed to be at work. Stacy's at work. And logically, in my mind, that's where Stacy was, okay. at work. And then he says, no, Stacy's dead. As so matter of fact, like, I'm supposed to know this. and So, like, no, I'm sorry to inform you, just Stacy's dead. Mm -hmm. Very abrupt, very matter of fact. And I realized later he's doing a job, but he had no bedside manner whatsoever. And it, 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 yeah, it was very difficult to even fathom the words he was speaking because he's not talking about my kids. Yeah. He's talking about somebody else's kids. He's got my kids confused with somebody else. One of the neighbor's kids, oh my gosh, who is it? You know, do I need to get to that parent? Yeah. I'm totally oblivious. So, well, so really in your heart and mind, you just wouldn't allow yourself to believe that it was your no, children. You were thinking not. this must be a mistake. Right. And I, I just can't imagine, like, 
even being in that situation, how awful that would be. It was very awful. Mm -hmm. And then trying to come to the realization that something's really wrong, but I still can't grasp what it is. I can't grasp what they're saying. The words just are just floating around. It just it has no meaning whatsoever. And I realized this is the shock phase. Your, your body and your mind's going into shock, trying to incorporate somehow some sense of this and justify this is all a lie. I'm living in a bad nightmare. Yeah. I just want to wake up. And you realize you are awake. It is the truth. And everything's fixing to just fall completely apart. Yeah. So do they ever get you to the hospital? <laughs> I arrived home at 5.30. I got to the hospital around between 9 and 10. I'm not real sure of the time. Yeah. And so I was, four to five hours yes, of waiting. Of waiting. And we were escorted by a police officer who had no idea... When we even got to the hospital, they parked in the very back parking lot and there wasn't a soul around. And I'm thinking, why are they not taking us to the front and dropping us off and letting us go in? Well, at the time, I didn't know that the hospital was under security, um, heavily guarded because Christy was there. I learned later that she was flown in by a helicopter because of her injuries were so severe. And it was the, actually the trauma surgeon that once we finally got to that point, the trauma surgeon was the one that delivered the news about Christie's injuries. None of the police officers ever told me. And we found out that she had been sexually assaulted. Um, she had been strangled. She had been stabbed twice in the abdomen, both of her wrists cut, and her throat was slashed repeatedly. And at that point, I just shut down. I couldn't even, I couldn't even speak to what he was saying. And he looked at me and he said, are you understanding what I'm saying? And I'm like, no, no. And he realizes I never knew any of this. None of the officers ever He's told me. He's the first me. person to tell you any of this. I mean, yes. you know some crime happened. Right. You know you've been interrogated. Right. They said she's fighting for her life, but you didn't have any idea of the kinds of injuries, the extent of them. Yeah. A trauma surgeon is right. telling you this. Yes, or why it even, trans what, what, trans what unfolded in the house. Right. What Exactly. What happened? To this point. Yeah. What happened? And who? Who would do this? Mm -hmm. Who would do this? So, yeah, it was all just one shock after another, after another, after another. And then he said she's in surgery. She's been in surgery since about 5 o'clock. And we don't know when we'll be out. We have a whole trauma team working on her. And he says, we'll come and get you when, when, you know, when we have some more news. And it just seemed like an eternity of sitting there. And 11 o'clock, he finally comes back. And he said... Well, she got through surgery, but at this point, we don't know if she'll ever walk or talk again. And I'm thinking, did she get hit by a car? It, it, trying to justify some sense of, of right. reason. And he said that if she ever does walk or talk again, it'll be a miracle. And I, I remember getting this sense about me to say, what happened? And I'm thinking, did she get attacked by a dog? You know, anything but a human being. Right, because you don't you don't have enemies. You're not living like right. a high-risk lifestyle. You, No one's thinking someone's going to break in their house and do all that. Exactly. And, and what human being in the right mind would do something like that? So it has to be a dog. It has to be a car accident or something, you know, just really freaky. And he said, well, she was attacked. And I'm like, by what? And he said, a young man. And I, I was just like what? And he says, we'll, we'll come back when we get her out of, um, when we get her into ICU and you can be with her. She'll have a private room. And I, I just, I just couldn't even, 
think to breathe. Yeah. You know, where do you go from here? Right. And and he says, when you see her, you may not recognize her. And then I thought, oh my gosh, she's going to be completely yeah. mauled. You know, and it was just the things that started going through my mind were much much worse than I. It, it was, but she was still very very damaged. Um, but her face was intact and. Well, you just don't know what to expect at that point. And so kind of the aftermath, because thankfully, Christy does live. Yes, she does survive. And she does walk and talk. She walked and talked three days after the... um the uh, surgery, the attack. So that was a, that was a miracle in yes, the midst of this tragedy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How old was Christy at the time? She was fourteen. And Stacy? Sixteen. Sixteen. But Stacy? Stacy died. She was um, severely stabbed and lost her life immediately. And so the officers wouldn't let me in the house because it was still a crime, a working crime scene, and they had to find out, retrace the steps of what had happened. Yeah. And so basically it was off limits. And Lorraine, you really lived in a quiet, like suburban area. Yes. So this is not something that any of us think ever. No. And so we don't think our house is going to be a crime scene. So you're just trying to fight through this aftermath of like, what in the world? What's next? Did you have any idea of who might have come no. into the house and done this? Because I knew all of Stacy and Christie's friends. They always hung out at the house. It was always, they were always having fun, playing games. You know, it was a place to hang out. So mm-hmm. it never struck me as, and I kept thinking, they've got the wrong house. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in our house. This, we're a good family. You know, we're good people. Yeah, I think sometimes as people, we don't realize how numb and like how shocking and how our minds just don't let us believe things when these tragedies right. happen. And your thought process shuts down. Right. And for you, it's like really just starting to unfold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were you suspected for a long time? Was your fiancé? The police did, yes. The Mm -hmm. police suspected because he found the girls. He got home before I did and found the girls. But it turns out it was a a neighborhood boy who was interested in dating Stacy, who was a 20-year-old young man and wanted to date a 16-year-old. I would have had a huge problem with that. And she wasn't interested. And he took that as, if I can't have you, nobody can. And became and very that possessive. again is just not something that any of us ever think about, right? Because right. there's tons of situations where people want to date someone or see someone, and they say no, and you move on. Right, exactly. Clearly, he wasn't at a place no. to be able to do that. No, but you didn't know that immediately. But you found that out later. Yeah. All of this. I mean, you're grieving, and then you're trying to help Christy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Recover because you've still got one girl. Yes, and trying to focus on her and not. Focus on the, the really you know awful things that, that Stacy went through, fighting for her life and trying to survive and protect her family, and it was 100% focused on Christy. Yeah. Is she going to get out of the <laughs> hospital? Is she ever going to walk or talk again? And thankfully, and by the grace of God, she did. She did. And she's doing really well. But it was in those moments where you're questioning, how in the world are we going to get through this? Mm-hmm. Because it comes down to, I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what the next well, process is. what is the is. next step when something like that happens? Who in the world would know that? No. Did you ever think your fiance did it? No. Before you, you so you knew that no, yeah. even though he came home first and found the girls, you knew that Absolutely. he cared for your girls yes. and that would never happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was never a doubt in my mind. And the fact that the police later, we found out they were interrogating both of us separately. Mm-hmm. And it was then I realized they thought we did they thought we were involved in this? Oh, my gosh. But then you, you look at some of these 
you hear some of these stories and it's like, right. I can see how they were doing their job. Yeah. They had to yeah. alleviate all the Law enforcement has a very tough job. Yes. They don't enjoy any of this no. either. And I, yeah, I, it's tough for everybody, most for you, right? Because yeah. these are your children. This is your home that was once a sacred place and is now a crime scene. Yeah. And so the aftermath. Oh, gosh. We were picking up pieces for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. In the first week of Christy being in the hospital, it gave me a sense of peace in a way because I knew she was somewhere safe. She was being cared yeah. for. She was taken care of. But then she's released from the hospital a week later, and it's like, what do we do? We can't go home. Right. All of those things. We've got to take a break. I want you to stay with us. While this story is a huge tragedy, I did title it Extreme Forgiveness because God really walked Lorraine through a huge process. We'll be back in just a moment. Life can be hard and days can be long. So if you're looking for hope for the journey, monicashmelter.com is a great place to get started. On monicashmelter.com, you'll find Monica's teachings on demand. And if you're looking to really grow your faith, you'll find online extras are available with every teaching. So don't wait another day. Get started now at monicashmelter.com and you will find hope for the journey. Don't miss another episode of Bridges. Subscribe to our YouTube channel today where you can find all of Monica's latest teachings. Just visit youtube.com, search Monica Schmelter, and click subscribe. Once subscribed, click the bell icon to get notified when a new episode is available. Thanks for watching Bridges. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Today's Bridges story is one of extreme forgiveness. And Lorraine, you've just described, I think, probably the most horrific thing that I could even ever imagine or think about, that you lose one daughter um, because a, she says no to a boy to dating her right. and the other daughter is left for dead. And so you've got to live through this aftermath and you, you don't know what in the world is happening. But I titled today's episode Extreme Forgiveness because somehow, some way, like not that day, you came to a place of forgiving I did. the young man that killed your daughter. How in the world does that happen, Lorraine? Only by God's grace mm -hmm. and knowing that I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision of, am I going to get through this in a positive way or am I going to continue to live negatively and blame him and everybody around me? And it was like, I knew who Lord was, the Lord was. 
I had a relationship with him and he was my saving grace. And yes. knowing that I had to work through that, it wasn't just an instant, I forgive you and move on. Right. It was a process. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that because I think sometimes we say, you know, it is, it does begin with a decision, mm -hmm. but with the kind of tragedy that you've described, that's not going to be in an instant, right? right in all probability probability. And there's some people watching who may be traumatized, right, by a sexual assault or domestic abuse or any number of the things that happen in a broken world. And I don't ever want to give them the message, well, extreme forgiveness happens in a moment. That's why I invited you to tell your story that God worked you through years mm -hmm. of grief and a process. Mm -hmm. What did that look like for you and for Christy? For me, it was step by step learning how to start, to, starting with forgiving myself. I carried a lot of guilt for not being there, for not protecting them. Because you were at work? Yes. Okay. And I'm their mother. I'm supposed to be their protector, and I wasn't there that time. And then the guilt of woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know, all those things that, that Satan attacks you with, mm -hmm. and all the blame games, and I was like, I can't keep living in this, this realm of lies because I did nothing wrong. No, you were at work, you loved your daughters. Yes, and they did nothing wrong. They no. did nothing to deserve this. No. So why? The, the question was always why. And then it came down to, it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter why in the sense because I can't change anything. I can't go back and, and replay that day and, and make it no. have a different outcome. No. And so it was like, I have to let go of all of this and trust that God's got a plan here. Yeah. And so I started praying. What is your plan, Lord? What is it you need me to do? And I kept hearing the word forgive. And at first I said, no, he doesn't deserve it. There's absolutely no way I will ever forgive him. And then I heard the Lord say, he doesn't deserve it. And I heard the Lord say, and you do. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge turning point for me because it was like, I don't, I don't deserve your forgiveness. None of us do. None of us do. I'm just as guilty as the next person. And it set me on a path of, okay, I'm going to work through this. So it started with just praying and coming to that place of giving up the why. Because yes. really there's not a, an answer to that question that mm -hmm. would ever make you go, oh, I'm good. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like a lost cause. Yeah. You told me that there was a scripture yes. that really that you hung on to. What was that? There were lots of them. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it just went blank. I can't remember what it was. That's okay because I wrote it down. Oh, did you? Awesome. <laughs> you said it was Romans 12, 18 and 19. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. Yes. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Yes. And that's a scripture I hung on to because if he's going to take revenge, there's nothing more I need to do. Right. I need to let go of it because I had people coming up to me saying, I can take him out. It's like, no, he's not worth that. No, you don't need to bow down to his, 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 you know, it, no, it's not, it's not, that's so not people happen. were offering. Yes. Yes. People were offering to take him out for me. And I'm like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I understand why people would mm -hmm. feel that way, mm -hmm. right? I have one son. Like, you you just, no one's ever going to hurt your kid. Right. Right. And get away with it. Right. We're going to do something about that. But you knew mm -hmm. that that would 
be the wrong thing exactly. altogether. But forgiving him, yeah. you had to, this scripture along with others, really hang on to that God promises somehow, some way. And Lorraine, yes. I don't know how he's going to do it. But somehow, some way, he's going to make everything right. That's what he says, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, absolutely. He says that, and I trust that. Uh, that can just be hard to swallow mm-hmm. when you've got one girl that died and one girl that was fighting for her life, and you couldn't go home afterward because yeah. it's a crime scene, so they put you up in a Ronald McDonald house. I mean, your whole life just went crazy. Yeah. It's like the whole bottom just fell out of my whole world. Yeah. And I'm scrambling, trying to get claw myself back up to the top, and... I just keep stumbling and falling back. And it's like, there's no end in sight, but there was an end in sight. And I kept hearing the word forgiveness and I realized I have to learn how to do this. And so I asked the Lord, show me how to forgive him because I don't see him with the eyes that you have. And I need to see him as a human being and I don't see him as a human being. Well, cause a lot of people watching right now would say he's not a human being. Right. He's an absolute monster. Mm-hmm. He's evil, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like. We think, well, yes, we've done bad things, but like we haven't done that. Right. And that's true. And thank God we haven't done that. But we have those feelings. So what did God, how did he walk you through the process? Reading scriptures Mm -hmm. and really understanding his um, meaning, the deeper meaning, not just reading over them, but diving into them and really pulling and gleaning from what is God really speaking to me right now? And how is he going to change me? Because it it starts with me. I have to learn to forgive me. I have to learn to change me. I have to learn to change my thought process because the anger was so consuming. I can only imagine. It just, and it would just flare up out of nowhere. And I began to realize that until I decide to make those changes and fully understand what God's saying here, then nothing's going to change. Yeah. And so it was, it was really just leaning on him. And even in my weakest points, it's like, Lord, I can't do this. I can't forgive him. And he says, but you can, you can. And so praying through that and, and fighting my way through it because everything in my body wanted to say no. (laughs) And finally, I remember on January 29th, 19 or 2006, 2007, I think it was 2007. I just remember being in a dream state and talking to the Lord and said, Lord, I can do this. I can forgive him. I want to forgive him. I want to become the person you created me to be in this sense right now. And he says, you can do this, Lorraine. You can do this. I'm right here with you. And finally I said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to surrender it all. I forgive him. And the weight that was lifted off of me, it was like somebody just pulled a 10-pound board off of me and said, you're free to go. Mm. And I was like, wow, this is what freedom feels like? Yeah. I can do this. I did it. And I would find myself slipping back and saying, you know what? I can't do this. And the Lord said, but you did it. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. So there's no going back. Yeah. And I began to realize that, you know, forgiveness is a freedom. Forgiveness is a choice. And forgiveness is beautiful. Yes. And God showed me who I was in that, in that pain. Yeah. And, wow. Because, you know, we a lot of times think that forgiveness is about the offender. Right. But it's not. Mm-hmm. It's about obedience to God yes. and it's about freedom. Yes. It's about that gift. And that's, that's very hard, right? To swallow oh, yeah. in the situation that you were in, but you even remember the date mm-hmm. because that was such a big thing and you feel that lift. But you know, Lorraine, I titled this extreme forgiveness because you took it further than just <laughs> forgiving him. Yes. <laughs> 
I started asking the Lord how I, how I could serve him and help others through what I went through, even on the other perspective, because there's two sides of every story. And so I remember praying about it, and I got a call from a lady in Columbus who said, would you come and speak at our prison? And I'm like, no. And she goes, well, we really need you to come and share your story. And I'm like, how do you even know about my story? Somebody had shared it with her, and she says, we need, the ladies need to hear your story. I said, so there's, there's, there's ladies? Yeah, there's ladies. So I, I wound up going. I didn't want to go, and I kept telling the Lord, I don't want to do this. That, that, that ministry turned into a prison ministry that lasted about 10 years. Wow. So you went right into the realm, right? <laughs> right into the world. Of crime and... Right, and, and caring for their souls and sharing your story. And I would, I would think that that would give so much hope because I would think after you do some of those things, you might think God could never forgive, the person can never forgive. Right. But you're sharing that forgiveness and it's touching their heart. Yes. And these are hardened criminals. They've mm -hmm. done worse than what Paul, Paul did to the girls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Paul, you started to pray for Paul. Yes. I, that was one of the things that helped me to learn to forgive him. Um, I kept thinking about him. I think, kept thinking about his parents, his family. What are they suffering because of his actions? Mm -hmm. And what is his mental state? And it was after learning to forgive him that, or through the process of learning to forgive him, that the Lord said, I want you to pray for him. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 uh -uh. no way. Right, like extreme forgiveness is enough. We're not going right. to take this further. <laughs> right, but this, I, 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 he's like, get on your knees and pray for him. And I'm like, okay, I hope he has a better life one day. <laughs> you know, something really generic and stupid. And he's like, that's not a prayer. And I'm like, come on, Lord, I can't do that for him. He's like, but you can. Do you really trust me? Trust me, Lorraine. Do you really trust me? I was like, I do trust you. And it was through that process of, of overcoming the grief and realizing that he is human. And God told me at one point, he said, I created him just the same as I created you. He is my child. And it was like, oh, golly, that made, really puts it into perspective. So I began to pray for him. And my prayers got really lengthy and long and, and very um, detailed about his faith. And we were coming into a season where I, I didn't want to go. And that was the execution because he was found he got guilty. a life sentence. Yes. And, and he, his name is Paul. Paul Powell, yes. Mm -hmm. And he was sentenced to the capital, with capital murder charges in the state of Virginia as an execution state. And so I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. And so we find ourselves in this season. We're getting to the point where um, it's getting closer and closer, and I'm di diligently praying. And the Lord said, write him a letter and tell him you forgave him. And I'm like, no, not going to do that either. <laughs> that was a whole process. And finally, I did write the letter. I didn't know if he ever got it because he never responded. And he used to write me all the time, just blatantly horrible letters. Oh. And I thought, you know, whatever. So I thought, well, I'll mail it if he if he responds. It's, it's, I did what the you Lord asked me yes. to do. I was obedient. And so the execution is getting closer. The day before the execution, we get to sit with him and talk on the phone, not in person. And I finally got to tell him, I said, I don't know if you ever got my letter, but I want you to know from me personally that I have forgiven you. And he broke down and he said, I don't forget, deserve your forgiveness. And I said, but you do because the Lord said you do because you're a child of God, same as I am. And he said, well, I don't deserve it, Lorraine. 
We witnessed the execution, which was the most horrific thing besides losing the losing Stacy and Christie's attack that I've ever witnessed in my life. But what came after that was God in the extreme. The day after his attorney calls me and he says, Lorraine, Paul has one more message for you. And I'm thinking, here it comes. This is where it's going to be really, you know, this, he's going to show us true colors. And he said, he wants you to know he forgave himself. Mm-hmm. And that was my prayer that he would find forgiveness of himself. If he's truly a, a child of God, he's accepted Christ as his Savior. This isn't some jailhouse religion. He's truly, truly forgiven or accepted the Lord, and he's forgiven himself. And I remember on the, on the phone call with him the day before, I said, my prayer is that when I get to heaven, I'll see you. Mm-hmm. And the phone, in, the phone call ended. It was on a timed um, a timer. So I had no idea until the next day that he had forgiven himself. Yes. And that was such a huge yeah. relief to me. And His you soul. knew that to mean that he, he had accepted Christ. Your prayers had prayed him through. And we're out of time. I wish we had more time, but you put this all in your book, Heal My Wounds, Leave My Scars. And it's yes. an excellent, Just we just all need to hear it. And I want to thank you for coming, for being so brave, because you are the example <laughs> of extreme forgiveness, Lorraine. Thank well, you. you know what's even more amazing? In 2019, Christy forgave him. Thanks for watching Bridges. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.